Hello, everybody, and welcome to season two of the Inspired Marketing Group podcast. Um, we've had a bit of a break, but we are now ready and rearing to go for a second series um, in our second year of business. Yes, we've made it to our first 12 months, so um, that was good. As always, uh, I am joined by my co-founder and business partner, Richard Johnson. Hello. How are you doing? And we thought, given that we um, made some sort of bold statements, some slightly outlandish assumptions and guesses um, when we first started this podcast last year, that we should probably sort of hold ourselves to account and uh, invite back uh, Greg, uh, who's a former journalist and PR guru, to sort of ask us some questions and see what we got right, what we got wrong, and um, <laughs> how it went and, and the good thing is guys i have got them written down i have the notes in front of me so your feet are firmly to the fire commence <laughs> to commencing torture in t minus 10 excellent great to have you back greg and uh, yeah thank you for well i'm just going to say thank you now i'm not sure i'll be saying thank you at the end but um yeah it would be good to yeah let's do a bit of a, a unpack our first year see how it went see what we learned see what was good what was bad um and uh yeah We'll go from there. Okay. I mean, let's, let's start off really easily then, guys. I mean, how did it go? What what have you learned? What what have you enjoyed? Um, I'll go. Shall I go first, Rich? Yeah, you go. So, first, yeah. Um, yeah. So first, the first year has been unbelievable. So um, really, really unbelievable. I think um, you know we were right time, right place. I think the concept and the idea we, you know, when we started this, I think we said, you know, it's a, a good idea. We think it's a good idea. We know we'll work hard. So 10% good idea, 10% hard work and 80% dumb luck. And I think that sort of equation has borne out very true for us. So again, it's a pretty good idea. We've worked bloody hard this year, um, but it was pretty much right time, right place in terms of everything that happened with COVID at the end of 2020 and the sort of changes in how businesses operate and how people work over the last sort of 12, 18, 24 months has really meant that the market has come towards our model of, you know, flexible talent on demand. As things change, you need to flex and change your team. So our hypothesis that that's what sort of larger corporate um, businesses would need from their market functions has borne out. Um, which obviously we're, th we're thrilled about. And we're now working with some amazing, um, you know, major, major brands um, in lots of different sectors, which is brilliant. I think, Rich, we went through our, we were very conservative with our business plan and we were sort of very cautious about how we thought growth would be. We went through our five-year revenue number in nine months. So it's been um, a, good, a good year. And I guess it's, I'm always reminded of um, Ricky Gervais, you know, because when he did The Office and it blew up and it was amazing, and then it took ages for his second series to come out, and he stood on the stage and he said, oh, you know, that tricky second series. Mm -hmm. um, for us, it's always been about tricky second year. You know, the first year has been so good. How do we um, keep the momentum going? How do we keep that sort of um, drive and, and growth growing uh, going over this this next 12 months so um, I guess yeah that's what we are very firmly focused on now is how we how we keep this thing going I think, I think it's worth 
I think it's worth acknowledging as well. We talked about mm-hmm. sort of financials there. Whilst we whilst we did go through our revenue number quite quickly, I think it is fair to say that the, the revenue number was very, very, very conservative. It was based on us not actually taking money as a wage for a long time. We were we using our savings to fund the business. So we were able to take sort of money out based on the performance. But um I guess it's we we also we also probably did refine our business model as well quite a lot during that process. And I think we really learned what our what our target audience was and what it wasn't and who we wanted to work with and who we didn't want to work with. And I think we we had an idea, but I think as you go through those conversations and those um not pitches, we don't tend to pitch, but those conversations with, with prospective clients you really hone down into what what you want to work with. And so as an example, Dave, we talked about, you know, we need to go and target procurement managers and HR managers and and marketing folks and CMOs and CEOs and all of that jazz. But actually what we've really found is that our, our, our key target audience is who we used to be in our old corporate lives. You speak to a chief marketing officer, you speak to a marketing director, a head of marketing, they instantly get what we're trying to do and trying to help. And, you know, that's where we've focused our marketing effort over the last three or four months uh, on, on social and that is to really speak to people from a element of we've been there and we've done that. And that's not an arrogant point of view. You know, we, we've been you and we understand what it's like to be you and we've got a solution which makes your life easier. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's been a it's been a great first year, um, and we we've been talking to freelancers all the time, haven't we, Dave? And actually, we yeah, it's I think it's fair to say if we're being brutally honest, this year's tougher than last year. But if you view it over a twenty-four month sort of business plan revenue flow, we would be very happy with where we are today. Mm-hmm. Interesting, because you've got you've got two audiences here as well, haven't you? And it's interesting that you split up from the customer point of view, which is the marketing director and then the HR function who might be, and the counselling function who might be worrying about how the model works. But you've also got the, the talent, the freelancers, and you know how did they react to the market opportunity when you presented it to them? Because it doesn't, it didn't exist. Yeah. Was there scepticism, or this sounds a bit too to be true, or this sounds like a bit of too much hard work, or I'd rather do it my way? Um, how how did the freelancers you know people like me i won't speak for myself um how did everyone else go go for it yeah so i think i think again we um the first three months of our existence we didn't do any acquisition marketing at all we spent that first three months basically speaking to um marketers so marketing managers people who are freelance because we knew if we didn't have a community basically we didn't have anything to give to our customers or, or offer our customers um, so yeah, the first three months we did that, I think we got about 10 or 12 on board, um, off the bat. And again, they kind of, lots of those folk we knew, um, well, and they, um, sort of liked the concept, liked the idea, and I guess were willing to take a punt and to join us on the journey, which we massively appreciative of. Um, and then as things started to roll in the early part of the year and we needed more and more people, we started to, again, we kept those sort of two marketing activities running. So for customers and also for, for our freelance audience. Um, and over the course of the year, I think we're up to about 45 people in total now in our community. And it's been, again, 
we had we had a bunch of our folk on the on episode seven of our podcast talking about you know how how they found it what they think and and the overall feedback has been amazing and i guess it's been um what we always wanted was to help those folk do more of the work they love they don't want to do selling they don't want to go and pitch they don't want to you know do all of that sort of stuff they just want to do content writing or graphic design or whatever it is and that was always our ambition to help them do that and we've been fortunate because we've grown so quickly with our with our customer base we've actually had more opportunities than we've had people at a number of number of times so what we've been able to do is almost onboard a freelancer and then almost the next day or even that day say hey we've got an opportunity um you know with, with this client or that client so from their perspective it's always been onboard gig straight away which is obviously the dream situation um so so yeah so it's been a, a you know we knew it was going to be a challenge to balance the people and the and the and the customers and that's been true through the year um but I think, so, well, but yeah. I think, I think again, we understand our audience better now than we did before. Um, in, in the fact that we we know that there's there's possibly three audiences of freelancers. There's those who are Greg, like yourself. I'm in it. I've been in it for years. And I know what it's like, and I see the value of lead generation for my business, etc. There's the the people who are full time and thinking about it. And I think you coined the phrase, Dave, about the soft transition from full-time to freelance. And then there's the people who are full-time and actually they're looking for a change. But actually what we're looking for is a change in a full-time, like the security of a full-time role. And, and we now know when we go out and we try and onboard freelance into the community, you can almost tell what that conversation is going to be like from within the first five minutes of that conversation because they'll either be in one of those three categories, categories fully on board you know I've got one foot in and I just want it to be pushed over the line or this is never going to happen because I just want a full-time wage blah 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 blah. Um, That's, that must be different for you guys because you're client side historically so yeah. you, haven't, you haven't seen the, the headaches that us poor folk have been doing pitching and trying to find leads or trying to follow up or even if you know, lots of people don't do the sales they don't do the marketing they don't do the follow-up they don't do the networking so it must be interesting for you to see that from the other side of it but also you've got a, a heck of a lot of experience to say to them, look, have you thought about this? This is how you communicate to your, your customers. And I think the challenge, the challenge that a lot of our folk, and, and it's always the same, right? It's cobbler's shoes. So if you are spending all your time doing marketing, lead gen, acquisition for clients, you don't have any time to do lead gen, marketing and acquisition for yourself. And so you, you always get this sort of peaks and troughs where you go, I'm crazy busy because I've got clients and coming out my ears and I'm really delivering for those folk. And then as they drop off, you suddenly become really quiet and then you panic and then you go crazy with the marketing and then you get some more clients and then you get really busy. So, so you always get these peaks and troughs. And again, if, when I did this previously, it was similar in terms of, you know, lead gen was absolutely everything. And then we'd get a client and we'd go crazy busy and then we'd all, be terrified if a client walked away and it was just you know an emotional roller coaster and a financial roller coaster but i guess what we and again what we are trying to do is even if you don't know that today as a sort of a, a new freelancer that soft landing is all about we can help mitigate those peaks and troughs and you know we can't guarantee work for everybody all the time that's not what we do but if you've got one or two of your own clients and they're doing a day or two a week and we can fill those extra extra three or two days, then it does help take some of the pressure off. 
um, for those guys, yeah. And you mentioned in terms of pressure as well and starting. Um, there's a piece of, there's a blog on your website uh, about this runway concept. Um, can you just outline what you mean by that? Uh, we, we talk about a financial runway. And, and again, Dave, let's be clear about this and honest. We, we've had this conversation with loads of freelancers. I, I, I respect those people who are in a full-time job and they go, I'm done, I quit, and they leap and they become a freelancer. Dave and I did that, but we were going through a redundant situation, so we knew it was happening. And I think it's a lot easier to do that when you're when you don't have a choice and you don't have that income anymore to do that. So I, you know, on the table, on record, those people who quit their job and go freelance, huge respect. I'm not sure I'd have the the balls to do that for want of a better word. And um, the runway is is we we always talked about Dave and I. Um, you know, invested in this business to start it. We knew that we wouldn't be able to take a wage for a certain amount of time. We knew we had to um, win business to make the business sustainable. And the runway pretty much is pot of money in the bank account. And you know that you've got six months to, to, to make that business be sustainable. And every new client you win, you might go from five months to four months to six months, to seven months. But you just know, and we, we now work on a premise of, we, we like to run this business six to 12 months in, in ahead of itself. So when we end this financial year, a success of our financial year would be that, what well, I need to work out the dates now, June 2023 would be fully paid for. So if nothing, if nothing came in, we know this business would run for six months. And that six months gives you a chance without the pressure to, to take flight again. A runway. Mm, I love it. In that case, then, what, what are your ambitions and objectives for this year? <sighs> Dave? <laughs> I guess I th the, the most important thing for me is, um, is sustainability, because I think, like, you know, it's, it's all well and good. And I think last year it was, it was new. We were all excited. We were energised. We were, you know, telling the world we were had a, you know, being a bonnet and we were, you know, going hell for leather because, because, you know, we were sort of staring down the gun in terms of if we don't make this work in the next six months, we're going to have to go and get a job somewhere and lose it. So we've had a really successful first year and the risk with doing well, and I think Rich, again, one of the good things is doing this with Richard is we hold each other to account. But the real important thing for me this year is making sure that this business is sustainable, making sure that we've got more clients coming on board. We've got a broader portfolio of, of clients. We've got a broader portfolio of sort of areas of, of support that we help those clients with. And also that we continue to um, support our, our community, get them paid, get them earning the money that they deserve, get them doing the jobs that they love. And I guess one of the things that that certainly I want to I want to get on record and I've said this a number of times we have a monthly all hands with our community but one of the things that I'm uh, we didn't do as well as I wanted to do last year was create our sort of um you know the community engagement and you know everybody sort of feeling like a team because we were so busy winning new business and getting those folk working which is what they you know that's the number one thing they want we didn't um frankly didn't have enough time to do the community stuff to get people engaged and, and all of that sort of stuff so we absolutely hit our objective in terms of helping those folk earn money work with great clients and do some of the work they love what I really want to do is really nurture that community really make it a, almost like a safe space um, so those are the two things for me it's more clients and 
breadth of clients and um, greater engagement with the community? I think, I think from my point of view, I would almost say, um, I, I agree with everything Dave's just said. My, my view would be almost don't go backwards. So, so I think that we, we know, we know what we're trying to achieve and, and, and actually, you know, Dave and I have conversations all every day about actually we need to, we need to do a little bit more. We need to do more and we're constantly pushing ourselves forwards. Um, and, and if I'm being brutally honest, I'm not bothered about double digit, triple digit growth or, you know, triple digit, Jesus Christ, I'm not about that. that'd be amazing. But no, I, I'm not bothered about massive growth. I think we set a great platform. And if Dave and I could do that year after year after year after year, what that enables is genuinely, I love what I do. I've never had a work-life balance like I've had a work-life balance. I, you know, I see my kids more than I've ever seen my kids in my life before. I work from home all the time. I've got a brilliant aspect like that. Um, I, I earn I earn enough money to to live happy with that and and also if we can do that not go backwards and I can achieve those two objectives that means that we're helping other people achieve their objectives because clearly they're performing the work and they're earning you know what what they want to earn and and, and yet you know we don't negotiate on price with them so if they tell us their day rate is what their day rate is that they, they, they know they're worth that's what we get them um and it, and it feels like we're in this relationship where everybody's winning in the fact that the freelancers are getting what they want. We're, we're getting what we want and we're all working remotely in an environment which is becoming or should be becoming the norm now. It's interesting. I'd love to, from a community point of view, a milestone of the fees earned by your team, not the business, by your teams to see where the, to show what's possible. So in, term, what, in terms of what, what they can earn from being yeah, part of the but what so, they've earned in this year and then next year, yeah. and you say, you know, it would be... So we, we, we talk about, Dave talks about the all hands, we talk about that on every single all hands. So I, I think the last time we calculated, the average earnings per member was about 13 and a half, nearly £14,000 mm. per year. So if you think about it, you're paying £100 a year to be part of our community, lead gen, and on average, you're earning 13 and a half grand. Yeah. So like, like Dave said, that isn't potentially sustainable as a full-time job for people, but our, our target audience is freelancers who have their own businesses and they're using us as a, as a top up to what they've currently already got. But clearly 30, some people are in a lot, lot more than that. I've been enrolled for six, seven, eight months. So they're earning what could be a full-time wage and other people are just coming in to do strategic ad hoc projects. But yeah, on average, 13 and a half grand for a hundred pound investment. I'd do that day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, just on that, I was, while you were talking, I was just pulling up the deck that we presented to the All Hands and 70% of our community are in paid work, have either had or are in paid work at the moment. So um, yeah, that's it's pretty good. And actually the earnings per member is 16 grand, not 13 and a half. Wow. I'm sorry? 16. 15945 Peter. Wow. There we go. So, so that's, a, yeah. that's a heck of a runway, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, and, it, and it helps, right? I mean, and yeah. we're in the process actually of developing the document, which is going to be the IMG guide to becoming a freelancer. So, <clears throat> what are the things you need to do? You know, reduce your costs, build your runway, prepare for it, 
start your lead gen, get, you know, all of this sort of stuff that we have talked about and we talk about with people, you know, we're going to publish that and get, um, again, give people a guide. And what, and what we wanted to really do with the community is, is mean that, you know, nobody has to figure this out alone. We've had loads of conversations with people over the year. Um, you know, one of our members had a client that hadn't paid her. So she was like, right, how do I go about this? What can I do? She, we, you know, we shared some of our business terms and terms of you can try, you know, restructuring this, getting payment up front, blah, 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 blah. And it's all of this sort of stuff, which, um, you know, if you don't know it, you've got 40 odd people that you can say, hey, I've got a question. Yeah. Um, and you can bet your bottom dollar somebody there will, will know, know the answer. But it, there's loads of examples like that. You know, we've had, we've had somebody who was, was, was made redundant, didn't have a job, joined the community, First time I've ever been freelance, brilliant guy. He's like, I don't know how to do self-assessment. I have no idea. So we we connected him with our accountant and I, 70 quid for them to do it, something like that. It was just like, well, why wouldn't it? It's just about making life easier for people. And yeah. and yeah, we talk about it, it's a bit of tongue in cheek, but it's almost like as a marketeer, I've never seen an ROI on an investment like you get from the inspired market. Mm. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. That's incredible. I mean, you're obviously enjoying it. Um, any regrets? What was there anything you wouldn't do again? <laughs> Bet this call is recorded, <laughs> gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, well, you know, this. I mean, we we did a tender, didn't we? Yeah. Public sector tender. That was absolute painful, and obviously didn't go anywhere. But it took a massive, massive time thief. So I think we've pulled back from that particular market um, and maybe we go back to it, but I guess it, you know, the hoops you've got to jump through for that. And I mean, we're, you know, we work with corporates, so we're used to jumping through hoops and going working with current teams, but yeah, public sector tendering processes. I, I also think it's probably wider in the public sector as well, Dave. I think that, you know, we, what, what we've experienced in, in a number of occasions is almost people wanting free consultancy. Uh, mm. And I think, and th this is the runway element of that, as if you are, if you are, I'll use the word desperate, if you are desperate for revenue, because you can't, you can't see how you're going to pay the mortgage for the end of the month, you probably do think you're not comfortable with or, or you don't want to do. And we've had scenarios where people have gone, you know, can you tell us how you would double your leads, uh, blah, 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 or whatever it looks like, as part so we can select the right agency to work with. And it's like, well, hang on, if I do that as part of a pitch process and I send it to you, where, yeah. where's the value coming? Because you could just select that and give it to your internal marketing team. And, and I think we've, not that we've ever sent that, but I think if we're being honest, Dave, we, we've written those documents and then we've reflected on and gone, hang on, we're literally giving away the crown jewels here. Mm -hmm. And we're not, and we're not, there's no guarantee there's, there's money at the end of it. So, uh, yeah, I, not. I, it sounds quite blasé about I'd never pitch. Clearly, you, you do pitch, but I think it's about understanding the value of what you've got to offer. So and actually, there's a, there's a value to that. And if you want, if you want the Inspired Marketing Group to come in and tell you how to double your leads, it's a paid-for service. It's not a pitch process. If you want to understand how we've done it in the past and have some examples, great. You can have those. But it's not, it's not about giving away um, the crown jewels. I've, I've got another one as well. And, and it was something which somebody told me that used to, used to be in an agency. And it's a really weird dichotomy to be in. 
but he was what he was saying to me was be careful not to not to come across that you're too busy and that sounds really weird but actually if you if you are all over social media talking about you've done this you've done that this is what you're doing if if i'm sat and I'm like, oh, I need to speak to somebody about doing some work. How many times do you qualify yourself out of an opportunity by <laughs> not actually being part of that opportunity? Because they just perceive you won't have time for this, it's too small for you, it's this, it's whatever. And it's almost, again, it's, it's self-marketing, it's how, how you're coming across. And, and he was saying to me, I've loads of conversations, but yeah, I didn't speak to you about that because I thought you were too busy. And it's like, mm. no, we'd have loved to have done that. And, mm. and it was all perception so it's yeah so that is a balancing act though isn't it because as well you don't just seem to be too quiet because I mean, so, you, what are you not in the game anymore i mean i've had yeah, yeah. conversations with um prospects and previous clients and previous customers and existing clients of mine who go you're everywhere right now it's like no no to you i am because i'm very good at being everywhere to you yeah but to joe blogs around the corner they can't see me because i'm doing things that they can't see intentionally and it is it is it's a it is a delicate balancing act, but it's the sort of thing that you need, if you know how many leads you need to, because of your conversion rate is this, because your average fee is that, because of your conversion rate is this, it all stacks up, but you need to know those numbers and yeah. get that from obviously being in business and, and knowing what those figures are. Um, you were talking about remote working before. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire here then. You, know, you were saying you can go and get your Amazon delivery, you can put the washing on. I don't know if you've done the washing this morning. Um, I have, yeah. You've done the washing, good. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had the dogs still I'm still living the dream, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard the dogs savaging each other in the background, so I'm doing that as well. So you're saying that this isn't going to change, that you let, let's have a look. people didn't want to go back to the office because they could take the kids to school. I can take my kids to school now. I can go for a run. It'll be for a run. <laughs> you know what? Started with great intentions. <laughs> <laughs> But you're saying, you know, you're not commuting to work. I'm not commuting back. I'm saving on petrol. I'm saving on life. How, how is that? Does that stack up? I think 100%. I, 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 so yesterday I had a conversation with somebody who wants to join the community. The question was, why do you want to join the community? And the response was, I am being told I've got to go back to the office full time. And I don't want to do that. Um, someone else, you know, a week before, um, I was promised remote working. Now we're coming out of COVID. I'm getting more and more pressure to come back into the office and I'm almost being, um, bullets the wrong word, but it's almost like there's that thing of, you know, why, oh, you're not in the office, you're not in the office, such as it's in the office. And I think there's this underlying current, I think, uh, Dave and I were talking about this morning, actually, is it's becoming almost like within mainstream media now about home working. So, you know, I, I was on TikTok the other day and there was a, there was a, there was a um, sketch about a woman sat at a desk and it was like, when another great coworker leaves, but HR won't remove their not working from home policy. <laughs> and that becomes yeah. almost comedy sketches. You understand that that's the real undertone in society. And I don't know, you know, the, vast majority of people who are working at home or not working from home, I'd probably say it's probably less than 50% at the moment, I think, are fully remote. Yeah. But those that trajectory is going. And actually people, people want fully remote work. And you, you know, there's less and less people doing that commute now. I went down to see Dave last month, got on the motorway at, at rush hour, 
I was surprised at the how quiet the motorway actually yeah. is now during those peak times. Bus companies, train companies, acting routes based on falling passenger numbers. That's not because there's falling jobs. There's record numbers of jobs now. It's because people are not actually commuting into the city centre anymore mm. to do their jobs. Um, it's 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 happening. It's and it's how quickly it's going to happen. And that's going to drive the acquisition of talent in terms of you know a company trying to bring someone in house. You know, it, at a certain level, that conversation is going to be well. At the very least, I don't work Fridays, or I do not. I don't work past three o'clock, or I must start work here. I need some flexibility there. And if it isn't in there, they will lose that talent to somewhere else. Either they'll go freelance, or they'll go to the rival around the corner, who may even be offering less money because it's not about the money; it's about the value. And look, let's you know, let's be honest here. <clears throat> Part of the reason for our success is the fact that. Companies can't hire. They cannot get the talent they need in the house. And so they, they're required to come to us or to you know people like us or to take on contractors because they cannot insource the talent that they need when they need it. And it's it's a real um, it's an employee's market at the moment. It really is. And it's you know, we had um, one of my former colleagues, Ross, on episode eight, the last podcast talking about um he's really passionate about the sort of future work and the shift and he was talking about you know that it almost feels like there's a critical mass now in terms of because employees are sort of dictating what working conditions need to be and what their expectations are that actually there has to be a change because like you say greg they they they, they will not they businesses will not be able to get the talent they need they will not be able to do the things they need they won't be able to grow they won't be able to continue to exist so it really feels like there's a, a sort of a, a groundswell and a movement and like you say rich you know when it becomes you know satire mm-hmm. that's when you know that it's entered the wider consciousness of society so it's it's kind of inevitable yeah I, I, sorry greg i was going to say your your comment dave your your line about it, it's an employer's market or employees market sorry is a hundred percent correct and it's kind of like you know 10 years ago, you would bring somebody in and it would be like, they'd expect an iPhone or whatever, you know, give them a BlackBerry, like, oh, where's my iPhone? Now, exactly what you said as well, Greg, the conversations are around, so yeah, I, I don't work Fridays or I want to work from home on a Friday and at home on a Monday and whatever that looks like and blah and blah and blah. It's just, people are, I don't think they're being demanding. I think they know what they want now and they're not willing to compromise. Um, and they know that there's another business around the corner who would potentially offer what they want. And um, yeah, it's... Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is all assuming that, you know, all of your candidates and all of your freelance community have all been wonderful. Now let's, let's just have a look at the uh, feet to the fire question. <clears throat> people joining the IMG community, we've interviewed enough people in our time that we can hopefully sort out some of the chances. But for most people that approach us, they're credible people and they're already doing good jobs. So kittensandsunshine.com <laughs> which one ever said that, 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 that <laughs> yeah that feels very wishy-washy that feels like me um <laughs> yeah so i get yeah so when when we started the business we had a very clear idea that we were going to sort of have a very rigorous control of our community and who we accepted into it and who we didn't and that you know we we've 
done our best to do that. So a lot of people we either know personally have worked with us or have been recommended to us by the people that we know and have worked with. So almost two degrees of separation. And we've really tried to be um, rigorous to that. The challenge that we had last year was that it went so crazy so fast. We, like I said earlier, we had more opportunities on the table than we had people to fulfill them. So brilliant situation to be in. Um, and as a result, we had to go and we had to go and find hunt for people. Yeah, hey, it's an employees market, right? We needed to go and find some talent. Um, and again, we we met a load of brilliant people. Um, but you know, radical honesty, one of our values. Yeah. Some of those people were less than brilliant, and they didn't work out. But I guess the the reason that our clients choose us is that we offer them flexibility. So for people that, you know, and, you know, we're in the people business, right? They interviewed brilliant. They, on paper, look excellent. They talk the talk. And then you drop them in front of the challenge that they need to deliver um, with a client. And, you know, it's clear that either, you know, they were exaggerating their expertise or or, or it just wasn't, wasn't, you know, wasn't their thing. But again, we if it's if it doesn't work out for a client the client just lets us know we replace the people replace that person or you know we can help mentor and help guide and if there's a if there's a real you know issue we can just cancel a contract and wrap it up um and we've done that a couple of times and again yes it's it's painful for us it's painful for our um freelancer and it's painful for our clients but you have to remember it's a hell of a lot less painful than hiring somebody on full time, having gone through a three to six month hiring process, onboarded that person, given them a laptop, got them in the building, and then either exited them in probation, which yeah. is pain, and then you've got to go through that. So, or they've gone through probation, and then you've got to go through performance management thing. So, the the, you know, yeah, we haven't got it right one hundred percent of the time, but when we haven't got it right, we fixed it quickly for our clients and again it's it's our challenge to fix that and it makes our clients problem we basically want to make our clients problems go away mm. um, and you are right basically they give us a call say that's not working out and that's that's the only thing they really need to do apart from have a look at the, the, the next person we put into that role um but you know let, let let's be honest we yeah you know we we we've we've had some mistakes um that has been down to, like Dave said, in terms of what you say and what you do. But also, I think there's been there's been a couple of times where there's real kind of adaptation to working from home. And I think what you see is that some people have never really done that before. Um, not that they are not doing anything. I think you have to work a lot harder with visibility. So, you know, when you're sat in an office, I can tell whether you're working or not, right? Because I just lift my head up and I can see you've got your head down, you're working. When you're working from home you almost have to over index that kind of um it's the communication, communication yeah. one of the better word and and i think so it's a lot harder to build trust and rapport remotely and it's a lot easier to destroy it as as, as well i think um so yeah but you know if we're we're being really really honest we were over 100 contracts last year single figure percentages were 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 cancelled down and i mm. think a lot of that can be done with the fact that 
we we were we were running at a really fast pace and we had lots and lots of people we had to on board because of opportunities and in any recruitment i i challenge any manager who's ever recruited to sit there and go i've never got it wrong yeah mm. and i think what I, it's just reminded me actually it, it's it's been both ways so you often find you know technically capable can do the job but cultural fit and sort of um you know personality um fit is a real big thing obviously with with your staff it's absolutely critical um and not everybody gets on with everybody else and not everybody you know likes every everyone else's working style and, and again we had we had a situation where one of our people um they would basically the word renewed the, the feedback was you know not great it was okay but not great um well when we put that same person in with another client absolutely flip and the way that the the other client operated the how you know, that person had greater autonomy and was able to sort of lead and, and direct and, and advise the client absolutely flew. So again, it's about matching people up. And what, what a lot of what Richard and I do is matching people, um, not just on skill set, but on, you know, experience and personality with, with the clients and what they need. And I think that's been a really interesting learning because obviously it's, it's not binary. It's not, mm. you know, we're not just putting... And that, that comes of experience. As we get to learn our client, we have daily conversations about, oh, got this opportunity. What about that person? Technically, could absolutely smash that job. But we know the business or the team they're going into. And actually, from a cultural point of view, it, it, it's not, I don't know. It's getting beaten alive. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and so we understand that. But you, you only get that through experience and time of, of understanding that business. And like Dave said, in a full-time environment, you could bring that person in. You only know when they gel with a team when they are placed in that team. Mm. And the key thing from my point of view, when I get what I get comfort from, if we were to switch somebody out because of a cultural fit that it didn't quite work, if there's any brand reputational damage, it's on us as the inspired marketing group with the freelancer, not on the business getting rid of that person, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas if it was a full-time employee, the any negative feeling is employee versus company. We kind of sit in the middle and shroud everybody from that and take it on the chin. Yeah, you're not getting that, they're not going to have to deal with a glass door review moment. Or exactly. Like that. Yeah, the glass door reviews us. Yeah, not absolutely. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you referenced, you know, over 100 contracts, you're doing well with business, you you did mention um, tenders. So let's have a quick look at your comment regarding new business winning. Um, we've made the decision really early on that we're not going to chase proposals. We're not going to get into negotiating on price because actually it means the client or prospect doesn't see the value in what we provide. And if so, we aren't the right people for them. How's that gone? Mm. So I think when we spoke to you, Greg, it was uh, the, in the first podcast, it was probably April time, wasn't it? Um, was it April it was the 1st? <laughs> yeah, probably, probably, yeah, it was all a joke. Um, yeah, but it was sort of, we'd had a couple of months or a few months sort of doing our early business developments. We had, like Rich said, we'd done a few proposals for people. They were not our target audience or what, not what we would say our target audience is right now. But again, it was early days for us and it was new business opportunities. So again, we had a shorter runway. We needed to get some deals over the line and we probably over-indexed on a few proposals for businesses that we just shouldn't have, shouldn't have bothered with. Um, and 
that was probably the reason why we made we made that statement um because where we succeed and where we've got experiences in that corporate space you know it's um helping existing marketing teams and i think early days we spent a bit a bit too much time trying to sell the dream in terms of we will come in and own your marketing function and we can drop a whole team in there which obviously is for a smaller business you know looking for some help with marketing getting a significant proposal for a team of two three four people is yeah way potentially way different to what they were expecting and obviously a bit sort of intimidating whereas i guess speaking to a larger business with an existing marketing function um it's more a case of i've got this challenge can you help me yes we can there you go so um we yeah we've now settled into that sort of we don't need to negotiate on price because it is what it is if you want the talent and the fortunate thing for us right now is that businesses do not have talent and can't access that talent um uh, and yeah tendering and pitching i mean it's pretty straightforward and again it goes back to what richard mentioned earlier about us knowing our audience when we speak to a marketing director it takes 10 minutes five minutes explain what we do uh, talk about our experience and how we can help them and they're just like brilliant i want this and i want that and and so I think that we, um, so there's, there's two pricing models here. So there's one, there's one in terms of what a freelancer wants to get paid. I don't think we do negotiate on that. They, they, they know their worth. They tell us what their number is. It goes into our CRM system. That's what we, that's what we get them. And I think a couple of occasions, we probably had a conversation about that and, and it's only really, um, gone down due to longevity of contract it's almost like actually we know what it's going to take to win this business and but you know that's very few and far between we don't really negotiate on that whatsoever i think in terms of in terms of how we speak to our clients to corporate customers um we recruit or we put people in based on our own recruitment and would we employ them etc and the conversation we generally have so we normally we normally present a couple of options to people and we, we've been through this conversation many times where it's like this seem this might seem quite expensive but this person is completely autonomous can do it all blah 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 you literally just give them a four-line brief and they'll produce you know all of this content for you that's the price we could get you somebody more junior and here's whoever that may be, they're half the price, but you're going to have to put a lot of effort in there and actually, you know, almost like guide and get them through there. Depends how much, you know, your time's worth. That's the hidden cost. So we don't negotiate on price because we offer two different solutions. Um, and where we inevitably get to now is, is that if there's ever a discussion on price where it's like, I really like that person, but I just don't have the budget, the conversation we always have is, we don't have them five days a week then. And I don't think you need them five days a week. I think that person can deliver what you want in three days a week or four days a week, which means you're paying more on a day rate, but it's actually within your budget. And actually that works. I, that's never failed. I don't think anyone's ever come back to us and said, oh, I've had this person three days a week and I need more time. You know, the feedback we get from those people is just like amazing. I can't believe all of this has been produced, blah, blah, blah. So it's about... It's, you know, generally, we talk about this all the time. It's about breaking these pre-existing stereotypes of Monday to Friday, yeah. and I have to apply 37 and a half hours a week. Actually, this is what our model's about. 
you don't need potentially a conversion rate optimization specialist five days a week. You know, we've placed some people in a, in a, in a bricks and mortar business who are going more towards digital. They're working half a day, um, uh, sorry, half a day each day a week. So they're only working three and a half days, but actually they actually they work full day on Monday, but they're, they're, they're working three, three and a half days, but they're getting the value of a full-time employee but they're not paying for those water cooler moments or those, yeah. you, know, you know, lunched out on a Tuesday or, or you know, it's just, it is really breaking down mm. our 50 years of how we used to work. Yeah. And, and it, you mean measuring people on outputs? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And all of that kind of jazz. Yeah. I mean, you said as well, I mean, that's, that's something to conclude this with some predictions then. <clears throat> you said on the business world in general, this, the one undeniable truth about 2021 is change is coming. We might not know how it's going to shake out. The world is going to be very different this time next year than it's today and how it was last year. So let's accept that fact that how you operate today isn't going to be how you operate next year. That's pretty much you were saying there. You, you, you feel that's a fair comment? Is it going to get, is it going to change further, do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, that was a pretty sweeping statement. And I guess yeah. the world world is 100% different. I think it's, um, it's really interesting now because we're almost in a bit of a flux period because the pre, you know, during COVID, it was 100% work from home. You know, shops are shuttered. The whole world was sort of shut. Now, you know, for all intents and purposes, COVID is over. Um, <laughs> You know, so it's kind of get on with get on with your life, and you know, there's stuff doing the rounds now on about um, government, the home secretary, you know, home office, Jacob Rees Mogg doing a roll call for people not being in the office. So it, it's and then and then we get back to the point that we were talking about earlier about you know, I'm not going to work there if I have to go to the office. This work from home. So we're in this sort of flux period about okay, we were used to all work in the office. Now we were told we've all got to work from home. Now we've got an option. What? Where do we land on that continuum? And I think, um, yeah, businesses are still trying to sh shake out where they're going to sit. A lot of businesses we're seeing our clients operate, you know, operate in a hybrid model because you know they've got very expensive office buildings located yeah. around the UK and around the world. They need those assets to be utilised. Um, but I. I think, again, another sort of prediction, I think what we're going to see over, over time, and it may be the next two, three, four, five years or longer, is real rationalization of these sort of big office um, headquarters. Um, and again, Ross on, on the episode 80 was talking about sort of community co-working. So having, you know, office or satellite offices in suburbs, in the residential areas that people live rather than having these monolithic offices yeah. with thousands and thousands of people in. And I think there's some, you know, there's some sort of absolute merit in that sort of structure. How it will come about, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but it, it feels like that may be the way to go. And I guess, you know, what, when I, I went to London last summer and did the whole bus tour thing, and it went up past Bank and through the city, and obviously all the offices were shut, everyone was still working from home, and, and the economy underneath, that mm. so it, underneath all of these office buildings there's cafes restaurants shut like there's there's a shift in mm. um how these because it doesn't just impact like the office block it's that all the associated industries and, and uh, sort of markets that happen around it there's going to be a shift and you know you can argue about wider changes in 
city structures and you know do you need to live in cities and what sort of amenities are going to be in cities you know shops are shut in i mean you extrapolate it out and yeah who knows what, what yeah, the know. world's going to look like right you know where i got today when you were talking about that feels like we're in a sort of a, a Mexican standoff situation. Yeah, so exactly. yeah. It's, it's almost like yeah. it's who's going to go first. People people necessarily are speaking up and saying, I don't want to go back full time to the office. Some businesses are, are trying to make it happen. Some businesses implement rules which then annoy co-workers within that. It feels like at the moment that and there are, let's be clear, there are some very, very brave businesses both ways who go you're coming to the office full-time now or whatever that rule may be and they're putting their head above the parapet and they're either having acceptance or losing talent there's other businesses who are going we're only working four day weeks now so there's mm-hmm. you know one a girl, I, a girl i used to work with she runs an agency they've just announced four day week now that's they don't they don't work fridays um you've got companies like deloitte closing offices in london you know announcing remote working i think experian have announced complete hybrid working now and rationalise their buildings back down to Sir John Peace. There's, there are people making some big, bold decisions, but I think the majority are probably standing back and seeing which way it's going to go before they actually implement a strategy. And I think Ross, again, we keep going back to Ross's podcast, but I think Ross talked about it. We might need to see a, 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 a change or a natural attrition of leaders or CEOs to enable that to happen because if I if I ran a big corporate business I would implement remote working if I and I'm, again I'm making a generalization a sweeping statement but if I was a, a white 56 year old male who had only ever worked in that environment I might be a bit more sort of clinging on to what I, I know and mm. actually we might need to wait for that evolution of seniority before we get a full hybrid kind of working environment yeah but I, I look at it from the, the 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 brand potential brand damage and also brand win point of view from at some point i'm going to get a brief from a client or non or, or soon to be client saying we've put this policy in place and it's not gone down very well um and it's all over the press that we're forcing people to come in monday to friday uh, what do we do and i think people are very aware of that if we jump and we get panned for it, it's really going to hurt us. And other people are very aware of the fact that if we talk about how wonderful we are to work with as a company, as a culture, and how we look after our staff, the customers will follow because we're a great great place to work. It's why people enter a great place to work kind of awards and things like that, because if you look after your staff, you'll probably look after your customers and have that kind of feel. So it is, I totally agree with this standoff idea. Mm. there will also be a lot of people out there who go you know what we're going to hoover up we're, we're going to be the ones who say no you come in and there's enough people out there who prefer that working yeah. some more people will say I can't concentrate at home I don't want to do the Amazon delivery I don't want to put the washing machine on I want to go to work 9 to 5 because it works for me and it always has done and I love it and I like to be in the city and I like to see mates have to work for a drink and those so people will do that make, make that decision and yeah. make that a policy and just go and, and i don't know who and someone announced that i can't remember who it was and it was basically your choice however you want to do it if you want to be full-time remote come in the office full-time work 50 50 whatever it looks like you can work how best fits for you what it's experience i think experience, it? i think it's work, work what do they call it you work your way or something and basically they've right. got an, a, an office 
uh, all hot desk in and, and basically if you want one, you book a hot desk and you go in and if you want to work from home, you work from home or you yeah. want to work from anywhere, you work from anywhere. I think, I think it's, uh, that, that's a really, it's bold and I think, but that's the way that it's, it's going to be. I think if you, ultimately what it comes down to is about, <clears throat> it's a change in the relationship and it's probably, we're getting towards it at the moment because it's an employee's market, but there's almost got to be a, um, adult adult relationship between the employer and the employee rather than the parent child which it's historically yeah. been in terms of come in and stand by your machine and make a million widgets today um you know the, the world shifted and, and it has to be that there has to be trust both ways i think and i think until we can get to that point and it may be like you say rich a generational chain um then then yeah there's going to be this sort of unease i guess yeah, it's all about offering flexibility, isn't it, really? And that's exactly what you guys are offering to the market. So, um, yeah. yeah, right place, right time, as you said at the start. <laughs> in, in that case, I'll give you on your marks, uh, I think I'll give you a high B. I think high B, a B plus. I think so. Yes, yes. I think that's yeah. the best mark I've ever had, Greg, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a B plus. Yeah, it's great. Brilliant. Well, um, yeah, thanks for that, Greg. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's not it? quite as bad as uh, it could have been so yeah thank you for that and um yeah thanks for listening um yeah so we would love to hear from you if you'd like to work with us in terms of how we can help your marketing team and how we can help your marketing function grow with some flexible talent then get in touch visit the imgroup.co.uk and uh, drop us a note similarly if you are a kick-ass marketing superstar you want to go freelance for the first time or you're already a freelancer and you want to join us then again, visit the website, theimgroup.co.uk and uh, join us and you can have a chat with Rich and I and we can see if we're a good fit. Thanks for your time. Thanks for watching and we'll catch you all in the next one. Okay. Bye.